Hi, Imu here again. Welcome to this special bonus episode of A Book Like No Other. If you're itching to know where the tree shows up next, sorry, you're still going to have to wait. But if going deeper into some of the ideas from our last episode sounds fun to you, then please keep listening. So after we recorded the last episode, something was really bothering me. Rabbi Foreman was saying that the tree of life could grant immortality, but the real gift of the tree was enhanced quality of life, which is a beautiful idea. But what was bothering me was, how does that map onto Torah? Torah does promise us long life, arichut yamim, for following certain commandments. But why are we getting promised the very thing that God was kicking us out of the garden for wanting? After thinking about this a bit, I had a budding theory, which I shared with Rabbi Foreman. Hey everybody, this is Rabbi David Foreman. I am back with Imu Shalev. Imu, you there? Yeah, I was musing with the implication of, you know, it, it seems pretty clear just factually in the Torah that if you ate from this tree, you would live forever. And God doesn't let that happen. That's actually a, a bad consequence. And so he kicks men out. But if we talk about the Torah as being an Eitz Chaim Hila, Machazikimba, right? So you had asked me this question weeks ago. You said, Imu, why is it that we who have this Torah, this Eitz Chaim, we don't live forever, right? We learn its Torah, we don't live forever. Now we're kind of at this place where it's, you know, you have an answer, which is, well, we're not eating it. I mean, we're not eating the Torah. We're, we're holding to it. We're learning it. We're taking it within us to some, some extent, but we're not eating it. That's like a mechanical answer that sort of works and I get it. And yet it doesn't, it didn't feel like it fully clicked for me because the Torah actually does talk about Arichut Yamim all the time, right? If you follow the precepts of the Torah, it guarantees you Arichut Yamim. Arichut Yamim means extended days. Let me, let me just say that sometimes it's clear that Arichut Yamim is a promise of actuality you will live longer, like, for example, Shiluach HaKan, Barach Yamim, right? But sometimes it actually doesn't even sound like we're being promised a long life. For example, Deuteronomy 30. When Moshe says in Deuteronomy 30, I'm giving you the Torah, Right? You know why the Torah is valuable. One of the things he says is, right? Because it is your life and it is your length of days on the land that God is. What a strange way of saying it. He didn't say because it's going to make you live a long time or because it will lengthen your days on the land. He says, so you know why the Torah is valuable? Because it is your life and it is your length of days on the land. What's that even supposed to mean? Right. So the thought that I had had here is that Arichut Yamim doesn't mean you get days added on at the end of your life, uh, that you were going to live, you know, 1,624 days, you did this, and now you're going to get 10 days tacked on at the end. Uh, but that Arichut Yamim perhaps means, right, an extension of the days that you have, that the days you have will actually feel longer. Tree of life, a perspective on the world, is a timeless world. It is a world where time sort of seems to collapse. God's name, Yudke Vavke, is past, present, and future all together. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. That something endemic to what it means to be Yudke Vavke is that, sure, I'll live with you in time, but there's this timelessness within time, which is interesting when we associate that with potency. If you remember, we talked in our course about suffering. Rabbi Foreman is referring to our course, Grappling with Loss. The link is in the description. You talked about what it means to suffer in a world of time, but what it means to compress your life. Imagine that you could live a life with time factored out. What would it be like if all of who you ever were, you experienced at once, all past, present, and future parts of yourself, 
right? All the vacations you ever had, all the experiences you ever had, somehow could be experienced without reference to time would be so much more of a potent way of living, right? And that seems to be what you're saying, like factor time out in any given day, right, is so much richer. Sure. I'll give you a really simple way of cognizing it before we get even more philosophical. But just like for those of you who, who celebrate Shabbos, the number of hours it feels like is in a Shabbos is so much more than is a Tuesday, right? It's it's actually the same number of hours, but if it think back to your experience of Shabbos, right? It is a day without doing. It is a day of being. And it just feels like it has so much more in it. it, it you have that feeling of arichut yamim, of the extension of the day on Shabbos. That's what the tree was meant to give. It wasn't meant to make you live forever quantitatively. It was actually meant to enrich your quality of any given day. Exactly. It's very funny because I think that it, we have a difficult time grasping that promise of Arichut Yamim because we're in such a world one tree of knowledge way of looking at it, right? Such a quantitative utilitarian way of looking at it. It's just more, 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 more. Oh, I'm going to get more days for this? More, right? And the world two way of looking at it is... Right, because you know, if all I want to do is do, the more days you give me, the more I can do. Exactly. So give me more days. I want to live forever. And God is like, sure... If you really like chopped down the tree and consumed it, I guess you could live forever. But that wasn't how the tree was meant to be accessed. What if you just breathed in the tree and connected with it? You, then it would be Then it's, this is your life. This is your length of days. That any day you live, your life is so much longer and richer. It's like it has the potency of all days within any, any given day that you live. I wonder... To some extent, I think they're, they're the famous laws that promise Arichut Yamim, which are uh, honoring your parents, uh, as well as Shiloh HaKan, right, which is uh, sending away the mother bird, which seems to also be about honoring parents and the idea of parenthood. Hey, I'm referencing another Aleph Beta course that makes this argument. Link also in the description. Which seem to be perhaps if you appreciate the gift of life that you've been given by parenthood, if you appreciate uh, source, if you really hold on to the gift that is your life, then your life is richer than, than maybe you experience a glimpse of infinity at your life. There's a famous Gemara that asks about, well, there was a guy who uh, was honoring their parents by listening to their parents' command to do Shiloh HaKain, right? And then they fell off the ladder and died, right? They're trying to deal with the, the fact that the Torah promises long life. Uh, and that person following that command of a parent did two of these and then died. And I wonder if there's a, an approach here uh, in dealing with that contradiction. So the Gemara, I believe, says, right? that, that somehow the promise of life right, is really an enrichment of life you know, in the next world. You, you, know, you and I speculated upon this again in our suffering course, that in some but way... By the way, think of even in what you just said, the way the next world is described as... So the one day that is as long as can be imagined, i.e. to taking all potency of all possible life and making it one day, which is how we understand the next world. Right, but they're playing with arichut yamim, right? Yes, playing they are. With, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they're saying, right. So the idea is, is that what life in the next world is really is a kind of condensed version of our life. Not so much that it lasts forever as the quality of it is so much more vivid because it's all of your day is compressed into like a, a single day. And I think the idea that you suggested is a beautiful idea. I mean, I, I will say personally that, you know, maybe what it's saying is, is that if you want to have the quality of a Rechut Yamim in your life, 
if you want to feel that richness and your potency of life, then one of the things you need to do is relate to the source of your life more, right? That somehow getting back to your source, because if you think about it, what's interesting- It's, like your, own, it's like your own tree. And I was, let me put it this way. One of the challenges is, is that we can't get back to our source. It's a journey that we all crave, but we can't. You can't crawl back into the womb, right? As much as we might want to connect to our mothers, as much, right? That Oedipal complex, the whole idea of the Oedipal complex is it's this impossible dream. You can't just be one with your mother, even though you were once one with her. Life ceases. We would die if we went back into this pre-creation state, right? The drive to get back to our source and relate to it is a drive that ends with death. But as strange as that is, the more that you can connect to source without dying, right? The richer your life is. Maybe there's this idea that if you can understand the holiness of your source, if you can really understand the holiness of what motherhood is really about, and Kibbutz Aim says, don't try and get back to the womb, right? Live your life, but live your life in connection with your source in such a way that the respect and love that you have your mother influences the way you live all days. And that it's not just your mother, but it's all mothers and it's all life. And it's even the mother bird, right? That I send away because I understand that her maternal instincts are, are sanctified and I can't use them against her to take her while she guards her chicks. To live that kind of life, I wonder if it is, that is a life of Aryuchut Yamim. That's a life where every day is so much more vivid because you're connected to your source. You're not crawling back into the womb. You aren't, don't have that mysterious oneness with your mother, but you're carrying that with you in life by virtue of your stance towards motherhood. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think there's also just a really practical level of that as well. A common pastime for many people is complaining about your parents, right? My parents were terrible. My dad is like this. My mom is like that, right? What you're essentially doing is judging your parents, right? When you can actually Instead of, of that, you can do nechmad lamareh. You can appreciate your parents for who you are. My parents were the, they were the children of Holocaust survivors. They didn't get a, a whole lot of love from their parents. So they did the best they could. And I appreciate them for that. Uh, and then, and then doesn't everything get a lot lighter, right? You can say this, they did the best they can, and I'm going to do the best I can too. The same thing I think is true in, in, uh, Shiloh Chakain, like with, uh, with a mother bird, right? Are you a person who you're going to get the eggs at all costs, right? You're going to, Consume and consume and consume, and you're going to do it in front of the mother? Right. What kind of life is that? Maybe you'd live a little longer with some more protein from those eggs. You can enhance the quantity of your life. Do you want to enhance the quality of your life? You want arichut yamim? Walk with your head held high when you send away that bird that you could have had and feel a connection with that bird. That's the bird that you're soulmate with because you understand the sanctity of her maternal instinct and let her go. A life with extra eggs is a life without beauty. That's what it sounds like you're saying, a life without uh, relationship, without being. Sure, you got a, a couple of extra eggs, but now everything around you is a floating ingredient, essentially. And that's not exactly a, a, a rich, colorful life. You know, it's interesting when the Torah almost parenthetically invites us to that sort of cross-species connection with that mother bird as a way of really enlightening our life. You know, there's something about 
that relationship with, across species and seeing the commonality of all life and the celebration of all life across species and connection with it, which I wonder if almost the same way that we confuse with the mind of God through learning Torah, which is a certain kind of tree of life, if there's a certain fusing with other species, right, which is somehow a fusing with life itself as it expresses itself, across the Pantheon. We saw my, my son Moshe, who was here in California with me last night, and he showed us a documentary, which was captivating. It was this South African fellow who would go diving off the coast of South Africa without a wetsuit, right, in, in water that was eight or nine degrees centigrade, which is like hypothermia city water, right? And he trained himself to be able to be invigorated by that water, to be able to hold his breath, even without scuba gear, but literally to hold his breath while going down into these wild canyons of water and kelp forests. And he saw an octopus and he said, what if I went down every single day, right? Every single day. And every single day with them, somewhere around day 75, they, right, the octopus begins to trust him, right? He puts out his hand and the octopus reaches across with a tentacle and literally grasps his hand. And there's this moment and you see it where it's like she finally trusts him and it's like, okay, I'll give you my hand. I'll give you my tentacle. And then she just like comes over and cuddles him and just like takes over his hand and he could swim with her and she'll let him grab it. And they like formed this bond, right? And the thing that was most captivating, despite the deep sea photography that was all there and the photography was crazy wonderful, but it was just the scenes of the guy talking in his living room and just like his connection to this creature and the empathy he had and the, the sadness at her eventual death. You saw this man was changed by this relationship. This just this celebration of life that he sees somehow that reaching across these bonds and almost feels like in some way, if we can recognize this quality in a mother bird and let her go and see the connection between our own mothers and this mother bird, right? That's Arichut Yamin. There's something that you just can't put your finger on it. The, the quality of life, the change that that makes in you, you're a person that's transformed. Stunning. Truly stunning. And the adjective stunning here is Nechmada Mareh. So just getting back to, to kind of put it with a bow, what I would say is that if you took tree of knowledge only view, a utilitarian view of the tree of life, you would say, sure, there's this elixir of life, right? What could I want more than to live forever? But you know what? There is something that you can want more to live forever, right? Emu, what if I gave you this moral dilemma? I would say, pick one of two boxes. Box number one is Emu gets to live forever, right? But that's the only thing Emu gets, right? He doesn't get shielded from harm. He just has this pill and Emu never dies, right? Or pill number two is that you could have the qualitative version of living forever. You would die, but you would have the richness of immortality during your day is the richness of connection with source, but connection with divine source. And that would inform all of your days in a way that 
there would be this vivid kaleidoscope of life, you know, with the iPhones. I always think it's so funny, you know, every time Apple has one of these events, they tout their new screen, right? And like year after year, it's like, and the colors are so vivid, right? But you can imagine the most vivid of colors, right? That that's your life and that's how you experience life. And you think, oh yeah, how did I ever look <laughs> at my old phone and think that was wonderful? Look at this new phone with these vivid colors. And you can imagine living life with colors that are so vivid you couldn't even imagine you know, which of those two lives would you take? I don't know about you, but I think I'd take the second life. I think I'd take a life that, that ends, right? But has the quality of, of vividness that, you know, of life with the, that's, that's a magical thing. Right. I wonder uh, if this means anything to you that this is eternal life versus timeless life, right? Eternal life is purely utilitarian, but timeless is a quality. I remember years ago, but I never really quite understood it then. My, one of my, my oldest of teachers, Rabbi Leibowitz from Berkeley, talked about this. And he said, right, does the Torah really give you eternal life? What does it mean that the Torah is a, a tree of life? He says, well, there's eternal life and there's life with the eternal, right? Mm. And what is life with the eternal? Maybe that's what the tree of life is. Mortal life with the eternal. And I think what we're suggesting now is a certain wrinkle on that to add subtlety that life with the eternal is taking the idea of eternality out of quantity and putting it into the realm of quality and saying the eternal is there, but it is expanding the quality of your life. It's, it's bringing vividness and richness to the quality of life rather than the quantity of life. Beautiful. That's it for this conversation. I hope it enriched these ideas for you as much as it did for us. Now, on to the next episode where the adventure continues and the tree returns. A Book Like No Other is a product of Aleph Beta, a nonprofit dedicated to helping people fall in love with Torah. Visit alephbeta.org for hundreds of more deep dive audios and beautifully animated videos on nearly every biblical text. If you're enjoying this podcast, I hope you'll find a lot there that speaks to you. This episode was recorded by Rabbi David Foreman and me, Imu Shalev. It was edited by Tikva Hecht with additional edits by Evan Wiener. Audio editing was done by Hilary Gutman. A book like no other's senior editor is Tikva Hecht. Adina Blausin keeps all the parts moving. <laughs>